All right, so you know what? Uh, we are so excited to have Melissa uh, come and share with us today. Um, I've mentioned this before, but one of the things we've started this fall is uh, we started a new teaching team. So we actually have uh, three people that are uh, part of our team that are going to be speaking. Each one of them will speak once a month kind of a thing. Wait, that doesn't sound right. Every month we'll have one of them speak. That's what I meant to say. And uh, so Melissa, Carlene, and Garrett are part of that team. And so Melissa is uh, here to share what God's been laying on her heart to, uh, to teach us from, from God's word. And uh, really, really excited to have her. So why don't you give her a huge welcome. Like clap your hands. Give her a cheer. And let's, uh, let's just pray over Melissa as we get started. So God, we thank you so much for what you have been doing in her heart and life. We thank you, God, for the way that you have... Uh, grown her and shaped her. God, we thank you for the way that she hears you and the way that she loves to study and know who you are more, God. I pray tonight, Father, would you give us ears to hear? Would you help us to to hear what you want us to hear, God? May you speak clearly. May we know you better in your name. Amen. All right. Well, thank you. Um, So... David kind of asked me to speak on um, the price of freedom, which I think is fitting for Remembrance Day today. Um, so when Re- Remembrance Day kind of rolls around, um, I can't help but think. I tend to be a person that puts myself into situations. So if I'm thinking about Remembrance Day, I think how it affects me. And I have a 15-year-old son at home. And I was reading online um, memoirs of some of the soldiers from World War I. And there are 17-year-olds and 18-year-olds and in the trenches and just what their life was like. And I couldn't help but think, that's my kid. That would be my son in, in the trenches in there, right? And what would that be like for him? It's, it makes it personal. And I try to do that with when I'm studying the Bible as well. I try to put myself in a situation. So thinking about this and freedom, you know, ultimate freedom is the freedom that Jesus died for us. You know, and so I put myself into the, you know, into the passion and what would that have been like and what would he have felt and what would his mother have felt. And, and so that's kind of where my head was at when I was preparing this. But then at the same time, freedom always seems to come at the cost of blood. It always seems to be the two can't seem to be separated. Um, the soldiers fighting for the freedoms that we have now and Jesus dying for us both paid for in blood both gave us amazing freedoms and so I was just reflecting on that it was so I'll start off that's kind of where my head was at and it says on this remembrance day we come together I'm acutely aware of the many freedoms that we enjoy here in Canada and I think of all those men who went to fight and never came home and those who came home broken in body and spirit um, I have a friend of mine that comes to mind. He served two tours in, Afga- in Afghanistan, and he came back um, completely a different man than he went over. And he would say that the cost of his, the freedom for him was his peace and his se- sense of identity and who he was. So I digress, but anyways. All those men were somebody loved them, somebody cared for them, somebody missed them, somebody's longing for them. Somebody remembers them. But there was another man who was longed for and cared for and missed. And that was Jesus. He was not only missed and longed for by his earthly father or his earthly family, but by his heavenly father. 
So he, when he died on the cross and he, was, he hung up there, he pinned all our sins up there with him. And he adopted us into our forever family. And that's a pretty amazing thing to think about when you think about it. We're not just in our families of origin, but we've been redeemed. We have been bought for. We have been bought and we have been saved. I mean, really, what price could we be asked to pay that can compare to that? Um, I was reading in Romans um, chapter 6, um, verse 5 to 11. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in any, in any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know the old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way we count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So, this is true freedom. That's pretty amazing that we have died to sin. We died to sin and we live to God. That's who we are now. This is true freedom. We have been bought. We have been saved to everlasting life. And not only that, but we have died to our sins. It's so powerful. It no longer controls us. And so this is kind of what I want to speak on tonight. Um, it's kind of the two types of, of freedom that we have in the world. We have worldly freedom and we have eternal freedom. So the freedom we have in Christ. Um, and they both have their own joys, and they both have their own hardships and prices, and they're both based on very distinct views. Um, the worldly view tends to deal with the here and the now. It tends to focus more on the self. What, can, what do I want? What do I need? What can I get? Which in itself isn't necessarily something that's terrible or wrong. We do need to take care of ourselves. We need to focus on ourselves. But it kind of, God's kind of showed me that when we focus on that aspect and we, it's kind of dark and we kind of spiral. Like I know so many people that that's their whole view that they focus on that self. And there's some of those saddest people I know. They, they don't have that joy with them. Um, then there's the eternal, or the, the freedom we have in Christ. And that's, more external. It's, it's living for God. It's asking God, what do you want me to do? What's your, what's your idea? What's your purpose for your life? What do you want me to do? It's outside of yourself. It's, it's focused on others. Um, which to me, they're two, like, the two don't necessarily don't go together, but they're definitely at opposite ends of the spectrum. So... I've read this definition of freedom and I thought it was really funny because the Cambridge Dictionary defines freedom as the condition or right of being able to or allowed to do, say, think, or do whatever you want to do without being controlled or limited. That, like, that doesn't 
sound like freedom to me. That sounds more like anarchy to me. But, but like if you were really like, if, if we were all running around living according to that definition of freedom, it'd be chaos everywhere. <laughs> like even society, when we look at our society, we have rules that we follow, we have laws, we have social norms that we adhere to that control us. And so I just found that definition totally laughable. <laughs> um, so I was reading it like I was reading the message as well too, and it's, it's the same chapter from this is Romans 16, and it says, "Since we're free in the freedom of God, can we do anything that comes to mind? Hardly. You know well enough from your experience that there are some acts of so-called freedom that destroy freedom. Offer yourself to sin, for instance, and it's your last free act." That's not not true. Like that hit home for me. I was like, Ooh, "Yeah," because there are some things you do. And you do it, and then you do something else, and then you do something else, and the next thing you know, you're sitting in a hole somewhere going, how did I get here? Like, what happened? And it's because you, you made that one choice. And it's so easy to do, because sin will drag you down faster than you think it possibly can. Um, and so, I guess for me, the, the cost, what is the personal cost of freedom? Because there's the eternal cost, Jesus paid that for us. That's already done. But each of us will have our own personal cost of freedom. And it's going to be different compared to everybody else because we have different families. We have different backgrounds. We have different sins that may tempt us, different things we're drawn to. So we're unique. We're unique individuals. God made us that way, which means we're going to have unique sins that we're going to have to face you might be asked to give up unhealthy relationships, to stop doing certain activities, or to start doing activities, um, but you will definitely be asked to change because you cannot live a new life if you are clinging to the old one and living from those rules. Um, had to learn that one the hard way, have to say. <laughs> Not super easy, but you know, baby steps sometimes. Um, God gave us free will, but he also gives us discernment and wisdom if we pray for them. So, pray for the people. Like, each of us must prayerfully submit our lives to God, and he will guide us, and he will convict us when we need to change something. Trust us. If you are asking sincerely and listening closely, he will tell you what you need to change, and he will help you change that if you ask him. Um, so worldly freedom, don't get me wrong, it's good. It's a lot of amazing things. And I really feel like if we don't take what those men and women fought for, for the freedoms that we have in Canada, for free speech, for the freedom of religion, the fact that we're here gathered together and worship and we can sing at the top of our lungs and nobody gets mad at us, the fact that we can own a Bible and read it in our own language, if we don't take those freedoms and run with them, I think... That is the hugest insult to those men and women. So I just had to say that. <laughs> um, but it also is a slippery slope. It also will lead you to things. It's things like our vast con consumerism. It's the keeping up with the Joneses. It's having to have the best Instagram feed or your Facebook. It's all those things that slip in. It's the world telling you to live by their morals and what they find is okay and not what God tells us is okay and not what the Bible tells us how to live our lives. It's a slip, and it, it all comes under the guise of freedom because if we go by the definition that I can think, you can't tell me what to think, say, do, or you're curbing my freedom, 
then I know in my head I do not have the best thoughts all the time. So if we're just running around all saying whatever we want, and people are saying, well, you can't tell me what to say because you're stepping on my freedoms, it's it, it just discernment. You just got to have it. And you got to pray for it. It's also what leads us into slave mentality. It what keeps us captive. It's what brings us down. When you base your worth off of the things you own, you have, you see, you want, what you don't have, what you do have, and not on who you are in Christ, and not in your identity as a child of God, that's when you are no longer living free. You have become a slave again. God gave us free will, but we must continually check where our heart is and where our focus is if we want to live free. It's an ongoing commitment, and sometimes I have to do this daily, and some days I have to do this hourly, and I'm sure for all of you, it's probably the same thing as well. It's, it sounds like a lot of work, but the more you do it, the more it becomes second nature as well, too. That's one thing I've learned. I thought when I first became a Christian, I, I actually said to Robin, this is a lot of work. Like, nobody tells you when you become a Christian that you have to have thoughts about everything, and you have to have opinions, and you have to, know, you have to check this all the time, but it does get easier. <laughs> um, I've had some... Most of the people in my life are, are not believers. Um, most of the people in my family and those I deal with on a day-to-day basis are non-believers, and I've had some really interesting conversations in the last little bit that um, some of them are very open-minded, others are not so open-minded, which I find ironic with freedom of speech. <laughs> you can say whatever you want, but if it disagrees with what I think is right, then please be quiet and go over there. Oops. You know, so... Um, so I call it the apparent oxymoron of freedom in Christ because to many people, this term contradicts itself. Um, I've talk- like I said, I was talking to so many people who um, are not believers um, and they see Christianity as a series of do's and don'ts. You can do this, don't do that. You have to do this at this time and not do this. Um, which is funny because if you actually read the Bible and go with what the Bible tells you, there's not an actual lot of rules in there that we actually have to follow anymore. You know, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself, being, you know, the pretty big ones, and you pretty much encapsulate all. Whereas if you follow society's rules, I feel like there's a lot more that you get dragged into and underneath in there. Um, But I noticed in having conversations with people that people kept saying things to me, especially ones that have known me the longest, of being, well, you know, what is it? There's something about you now. I don't know what it is, but you seem to be more open or more adventurous or more understanding or more forgiving or, you know, think in your heads what you've become more of in your, in your walk. I'm sure you can all think of something. And... It got me thinking, I'm like, how can, how can something that you've told me is supposed to make me smaller and limit me actually make me more? Like, how, how does that work? How can Christianity is supposed to put you in this box and make you less? Then how come you're telling me I'm more? Like, doesn't go. And so I was thinking about this, and I was, you know, praying about it, meditating about it, and it came to me, and it's, it's because it's not you. It's God. It's the Holy Spirit. If God is in you and you are actively seeking his presence in your life and listening and following his will, then there is no choice. You are going to expand. You are going to grow. You are going to become more. 
You're going to do more. You're going to feel more. You're going to see more. You're going to want to be more because God is more. He is everything. He is it. And if he is in you, boom, you're going to be bigger. Like, like I, how can this tiny little vessel, because like, I'm pretty little, like I'm five foot four, on a good day, as my grandma says. <laughs> how can I possibly begin to encapsulate God? It's not going to. It's going to leak out. He's going to, you know, and that's the trick, right? It's the Holy Spirit. God gave us the Holy Spirit to help us. He helps us to live free. You have to listen to him, and you have to follow his directions. And if you do this, you will be living free. Um, I like to think of it as like, it's like a triangle. So, so I, this, is, this is how I think of it. So you got your little triangle. And one side of the triangle, it says you have to seek God. And then you have to listen for God. And then you have to act on what God is telling you to do. And if you do that, you're going to seek him more. You're going to hear him more. And you're going to act more. And the more you do it, you just keep going. And the more you do it, it's like a muscle. The more you react, the more God says, Melissa, I want you to speak at church. And you go, okay. <laughs> and you do it. I'm really scared. What's going to throw at me next? <laughs> but the more you do it with little things, the easier it becomes. And the more you're going to become. And the more he's going to do through you. Which is a terrifying thought and a comforting thought at the same time because I feel like we all kind of we all want miracles and we all want the big things to happen but I think half of the problem is we all go yeah do it and then we go whoa but don't do it with me or but not too much like how many times have you prayed that have you prayed for I'm, I know I have I've prayed for a miracle to happen and then I thought but don't make me the one to do it or but don't make it too big because then people are going to be looking at me or they're going to be thinking things about me or they're going to be expecting something from me. I think a lot, I can say. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so what is, what is the price of this freedom, of this expansion, of this becoming more? Well, it's you have to die to yourself, which terrified me. Honestly, when I first thought of it and I first read it, I thought, that's a terrifying phrase. Like, I don't want to die to anything. Like. But that's the price. Um, in Romans 6, 2, it says, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? We have died to sin. That's the key. We have died to it. We can't live there anymore. We have to expand. We have to move on. Um, so dying to yourself. It's, to me, it's the laying aside of your wants, your ideas of how things should be. And in our society, I find a backlash against that an awful lot. It's because it's so foreign to so many people's minds that when you live from that space, when you put others before you consistently, everybody kind of looks at you like you have, at least the people in my life are like, what's the ulterior motive here? Where's the other shoe? What are you really trying to get from this? Um, so laying aside the consists of your own wants, ideas of how things should go, and the whole plan laid out step by step. So one of the big things that I've learned is that you have to lose the false idea that you ever had control in the first place. And I say the false idea because I live from a place of I have to make stuff happen and this is me. And that I had control. I never had control. I was mucking along, figuring stuff out, and it was happening. 
we all know that God has control. God is in control. And when you can actually say that, God, you are in control, and you can step back from that, and you can actually let him take the reins and be in control, and you're not fighting for the control for the reins to drive the car or whatever it is you're doing, that is freedom. That is huge. When I, when I discovered that, I literally sat down on my bed and wept. When, when that one hit me, I was like, and that's another thing that I learned is it's surrender is a gift. It is a gift that we are given. It's not something that's forced on us, you know, to submit to God. Because that's another thing as um, a lot of non-Christians have said, well, how can you submit to people? They talk about it in the Bible all the time and it's surrendering and you're giving up control. And I'm like, because it's, it's not something to be afraid of. Why would you fear to surrender to God? God who loved you and created you and knitted you in your mother's womb. Why would you fear that? He knows you better than you know yourself. If anything, you're just getting out of his way so he can, you can get on with what you're actually supposed to be doing. Um, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't have your own personal thoughts and dreams at all because God created us with those thoughts. He gave us dreams. He gave us very specific dreams, some people, and ideas. But we need to surrender those those thoughts, those dreams, those ideas. We need to surrender them to God and allow him to lead instead of us forcing our will. Um, and which, let's face it, is a lot more work. Have you ever actually fought God on something? And you can think back, everybody think back. You're thinking in your head now in a situation where you realize now that you are fighting God. Like, and I can think back on them and I think I worked really hard to make that happen. And then it kind of happened. And when it happened, it kind of felt hollow and it didn't feel good and it was shallow, a shallow victory and that's it. Like nine times out of 10, it probably blew up in my face. But if you surrender it to God and it's what God is actually directing you and leading you towards, you're gonna feel joy with it. You're gonna feel peace with it. There's gonna be an ease about it. Doesn't mean that it's not gonna be hard and it's not gonna take work, but it's a different kind of work and it's a different kind of hard. There's, it's an easy hard, which is also an oxymoron, which is apparently my thing I'm going with tonight. But. <laughs> so I have a question for everybody to think about is how much of what we actually think we want is actually what we want? Because nine times out of 10, at least in the past, not so much now, because I think I pray for discernment and wisdom a lot more than I ever did in the past. But nine times out of ten, we don't actually want what we want. We think we want it, but it's usually a family member telling you you want it. It's Facebook telling you you want it. It's our commercials telling us you want it. So do you really want this? And if you don't really want it, God, what is it that I really want? What is it that you want for me? So a truly amazing thing starts to happen when you begin to live from this place. Um, God's wants will become your wants, and his desires will start to become your desires, and you will begin to come into alignment with God, which is amazing. Um, even living, even when I find myself for those brief moments when I can actually feel like I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm in alignment, I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, it makes all the, the struggle and all the challenges of trying to live in that the rest of the time worth it. It, it eclipses everything else I've ever done. 
And for me, I've always, I mean, I've been a Christian for a very short amount of time, and all the rest of the years I've lived, I have lived from fear. I based my decisions on fear. I based on what I was afraid to do, what I was afraid not to do, what I was afraid other people were going to think about what I would do. And not all of it conscious, by, by far, I would say the majority of it was subconscious, but I started to live in freedom and realized I had been so enslaved to fear that what I was doing before was that even really living. And so an amazing thing started to happen for me. I started, I still feel the fear, but I don't fear the fear. I don't. I, start to, I started to care more about what God wants and less about what other people want. I start to want more Jesus and less world. I want to know him more and the rest, the non-important things fall away. I naturally begin to shift my focus from a short worldly view to the long eternal one. I'm playing the long game now. My son tells me in chess, mom, you play too short. Your game's too short. You only play this first, the next two, the next two moves. He plays the next 20, so I'm gone already there. Um, it's the proverbial pruning of the vine, and I'm, some things hurt when you're asked to let them go. Don't get me wrong. Some of the things that God has asked me to let go of, people that I've been asked to let go of, places I've been asked to give up, things I really like to do that I've been told asked to give up, they hurt. But there have been some things, actually a lot of things, that I've probably given up automatically, not even knowing that I stopped doing them until somebody in my old life is like, oh, you don't do that anymore. And I'm like, no, I guess I don't do that anymore. Um, so another oxymoron, if you want, that I've discovered all along this journey is that obedience is the foundation of freedom. Doesn't, doesn't make any sense, but I'll try to explain my thinking. I don't know if it'll come across, but this com- this is, all this piece comes from the foundation of obedience. When God asks you to do something, do you act? I mean, I try to. Sometimes I have to rush and act right away so I don't lose my gumption, <laughs> but sometimes. Um, but I have felt and lived more freedom in these past few years from acting, from obeying God than all the years I felt before. I was living a slave to fear, making decisions based on that. I would rather obey God and live free than live obeying no one and living free and living fear. So, does that make sense to me? I don't know. It's, and another, uh, another point, I'm almost done here. Another point that I learned is that you have to, we always have, we have control. And we have to give up. God may ask you to do something, but we have no control over the outcome, what that's going to look like. And I think if you're anything like me, I want to <laughs> do this, but I want this to be the outcome. And you don't get to pick that. You don't get to decide. Um, I was reading in Galatians, and it's 5.13, and it says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly and in love, for the entire lives fulfilled in this one command. Love your neighbors as yourself. We are also called to follow Jesus, and that's really the, the only calling on my life, I feel like. If I do nothing else right, if I follow Jesus and I do what he asks me to do, then the rest is details. Um, and that's a calling on all of our lives. We're all called to follow Jesus. We're all called to 
take up our cross and follow him. And I'm willing to make sacrifices to do that. I'm, I'm sure, I'm hoping, are you willing to make sacrifices about that? Um, it's funny because I feel like I've been dying to myself pretty much consistently for the last couple of years. Um, there's a lot that needs to be pruned. Um, every, everything, it's, it's amazing. It's like everything I thought I knew about myself, how I am in the world, how others see me, um, have all been stripped away. And it's, I'm this new creation underneath, and I'm still getting to know what that looks like, who I am. And, you know, I read my Bible, and it tells me who I am in Christ, but I, I am in the process of living who I am in Christ. What does that look like? What does it look like for me to walk that every day? Um, and, yeah, it leaves you unsure and uncomfortable. And probably in the past, I would have rushed to fill that hole with something, and it could have been anything. Like, people fill that hole with any food, shopping, texting people, going on it, don't. If there's anything that I've learned is to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. Sit in that moment and be uncomfortable. And sometimes it's so uncomfortable. It's like I would be sitting there, white knuckling it, you know, surrender it to God, just pray, Jesus, this is so uncomfortable right now. I want to feel this. There's a hole. There's something that I've given up that you've asked me to sacrifice. And I... I sacrifice that willingly, but I am uncomfortable in this moment. I get this picture, this picture of what I was writing, this popped into my head, and it's like, God, he's sitting there with me, and he's like, okay, we're going to do this. It's like, it's going to be like a band-aid. It's going to be quick. It's going to be uncomfortable. It might be a bit painful in places, and it's going to leave you raw. But I've got you. I will be with you every step of the way, and I will never leave you. And it'll be so worth it. And you know what? It totally has been. I would do it again in a second. I wish I had done it earlier, but that's kind of what I have to speak for you guys tonight. <laughs> right on. Thanks, Melissa. Awesome. I hope that was. That's amazing. One of the things that we love to do um, as we wrap up our time together, and we'll just we've got about five minutes here, is just a, a bit of a question and answer. So if there's any questions uh, from what Melissa was talking about, uh, or maybe sometimes something God's been speaking to you. So as you were listening and there's something that jumped out and you went, wow, that, I never thought that, heard that. Um, uh, or maybe a challenge. And uh, I'll field those ones tonight. So. Oh, he's good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, any questions? Anything maybe God That's okay. I, I've been working on giving up control. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Anybody? Questions? Maybe something that God was speaking to you as you as were listening tonight? It's like dying from yourself. Dying to self? Dying to self, yeah. Mm. Mm. It sounds scary, but it's not yeah. as bad as it sounds. Yeah. Wow. God's love never falters. 
even if you mess up or you yeah. made a mistake or whatever, mm -hmm. you can always know and believe that you can go back to the Father and mm -hmm. He will still love you the exact same mm -hmm. way He loved you from day one, day you were born, you know? Yep. And just being able to see that and understand that, it gives you such freedom to do do the things that you want to do and, and to do without the fear of, mm -hmm. of failing because there is no failure in Jesus mm -hmm. Christ. Yep. You know what I'm saying? I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Well, okay. Nobody, don't do anything where it looks at me. I, I just feel like that is so me. Like I've, mm. I've felt that my whole life. Like I want to see big things. Like when I hear about miracles, I'm often not surprised. I'm, I'm like amazed and in awe of, but not surprised. I'm blessed by God. I know that He can do that, and I, I crave that for my life. But I am so held back by my fear yeah. because of what people will think of me. What he's, like, what it, what is He going to ask me to do? Right? Like, I want to do big things, but... Not too big. Not too big. <laughs> like, I like my little home. I like my little family. Like, we're comfortable. Like, I'm so afraid to step out of that comfort zone. Yeah. And um, I kind of even threaten God sometimes. Like, I will <laughs> I will do anything for you, but don't take my kid from me. Mm. You know? Yeah. Like, don't let anything bad happen. Yeah. And then my son being like... sometimes the greatest leaps that I found, and I've, the last few years I've gone through some extremely difficult things, I found that the greatest leaps forward have come in those most difficult times. So mm -hmm. chances are that if something was to happen to you, you would, you would find that. Like, I find he walks closer with those. Like he's walking extremely close with that family right now. He's got mm -hmm. them in his hand. He's got them. He's holding them. Mm -hmm. and, and that's when you you need him the most, but that's when you feel him the most, and he should reveals himself the most to you, I think. Yeah. At least for me personally, that's Agreed. for sure. That's a tough thing, because my friends and people in my life that have the greatest strength of character and strength of their walk have been through the toughest things. Trial by fire. And it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a hard thing, but that's sometimes how we, how we grow. But you also said about uh, uh, submitting to God It's a flipping of the mindset 
it's complete flipping for me at least anyways from where I lived as a non-believer to how I live or I try to live every day now it's, it's completely flipped yeah. and, mm-hmm. I, and I know people who live and they are the most miserable people ever mm-hmm. and they would be the first to say that they're the most miserable people ever mm-hmm. well, so would you pray for us would you pray for us as we just wrap up and as we reflect on, and I don't want to speak for everybody here, but for that desire to be free, desire for that real freedom that you described, that, that uh, boundless freedom that comes in Christ and our identity in Christ. Would you pray for us? Lord, um, I pray to you this evening that you would lighten us a fire, an unsatiable fire to want to live for you that we are so focused on living for you that the fear falls away, that it no longer is relevant for us, that the freedom we find in your perfect love and your perfect acceptance would be like balm to our soul and it would, and it would just lead us forward. It's Give us that taste so that we crave it. It becomes our constant. It becomes our want. It becomes our need. You are amazing, and you can open so many doors. Help us to say yes to you so that we can become more, so that there's so much of you living and dwelling in us that we have no other option but to expand, to become more for you, so that we can expand and further your kingdom for your glory, for your love, and for the goodness of all your children, and not just our own. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Boom. Mic drop. (laughs) Thanks, everybody, for joining in. Um, I just have one little quick announcement before we uh, dismiss. Make sure you take your kids. That's first one, all this good. Uh, second one, if you've taken um, shoe boxes, the Samaritan's first boxes, um, they actually have to be delivered this by this Saturday coming up. And so um, if you have those uh, first, pardon me, Aerosmith Baptist Church is collecting them. Uh, if that's too much, we can come pick them up from you or whatever, make sure they get there. If you're able to get them there, that'd be great. Uh, I think they're, pick, they're collecting on Saturday from around 12 till 6 next Saturday. Uh, if not, let us know. Facebook me, message us. We'll come grab them from you. We'll meet you somewhere in the week and make sure everything gets there. But if you haven't filled them already, please do that this week. If you haven't taken one and you'd like to, we do have some extra ones here. Love to take, give them all out and uh, bless kids this coming Christmas. Thanks, everybody. Of Sorry, course. The high school um, leadership team is collecting coats. Um, okay. Right. Warm sweaters, mittens, anything like that, warm weather wear, and they're donating it to the um, um, if anybody has a coat or anything in their house and they want to donate it, you can take it to high school or you can message me and I can do that for you. And I can awesome. Yeah, we can. All sizes, all, all sizes, all ages. I believe so. I'll double check that for you. Um, I know in the past it's been handed out to Mattel in my preschools as well. I'm not sure, but they're doing that. God bless. Amen. Have a great night. Have a great week. Don't forget your kids. Thanks, Melissa. Thanks, Melissa. Amen.